Lots of things go better together. Hockey, food, golf, peanut butter and jelly, Gojo and Golik, Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey. What? But if you really want to take things to the next level, drink some Labatt Blue Lights with your friends and live life to the power of we. Always enjoy responsibly. Beer, Labatt USA, Buffalo, New York. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to DraftKings Network. <clears throat> welcome back to Gojo and Golik, and welcome back to the latest and maybe last edition of the 100% Real, very important NFL Playoff Selection Committee with Gojo, Golik, and Jason Fitz. Uh, guys, the Week 13 NFL Playoff rankings, you're looking at it right here. Eagles, Kansas City Chiefs, San Francisco, Baltimore. Okay, now I'm going to turn it over to you, the very real committee. Uh, you know what, Jesse? I don't know if I pre- – it doesn't sound like you mean that when you no. say that. And no. it's starting to hurt no. my feelings. Uh, yeah. I mean – It doesn't sound like you believe that we're a real journalistic outfit that's making this happen. Jason is yeah. wearing a Grinch hoodie right now. As in in honor of you because you're being the committee point. Grinch. You are the committee Grinch at this point, all right? You're a mean wow. one, Mr. Grinch. You are the committee Grinch, wow. right? You know what? I just hope everybody has fun <laughs> at this latest meeting of the very real NFL selection committee. I'm not, not gonna catered. lie, as 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 I'm trying to make that point to Jesse and as Jason Fitz, who you guys can check out making great NFL and college football content and all sorts of content over at Yahoo Sports. You can also listen to him on Fox Sports Radio on the weekends. Completely undermines my credibility as I sit here wearing a big bad barbecue shirt that or big bad breakfast shirt that says lard on it. It's just a bar of lard on my shirt. And Jason Fitz is joyfully panning to his gigantic eyeballed Grinch face hoodie that I'm sure he bought at Hot Topic or something similar because he's the only 47-year-old man shopping at Hot Topic on a weekly basis here. Completely undermines the credibility of this committee in a way I was trying to establish. Thank you, Jason. First and foremost, I'm 46, Mike. All right. Second, uh, I think that we're on brand here. I've gone with something Christmas and joyous you've gone with something fat and third and i think this is important here hot topic has delightful pop uh, funko pops like so yeah i'm in hot topic all the time like got good sales on them oh they got some exclusives there i got a barfing reagan from the exorcist a few weeks ago oh, it was a delight I, it's amazing. A hot, every, every now and then I'll be in a Hot Topic. Quite honestly, I didn't know they still existed. But I think every time I'm in one, I look at the stuff, I chuckle, and I said, man, there's got to be some 13-year-old really enjoying this stuff. And lo and behold, there's our 46-year-old, 13-year-old right here. Uh, don't be jealous just because the hoodie. Like, the eyeballs are coming through. Right? Like, this, these are the eyeballs of judgment to the committee. That's what's happening right here. Like, the Grinch is giving all sorts of judgy eyes here, and I cannot wait for it. So we're going to judge eyes on our committee here. Fitz is our task this week basically to figure out who in the NFL we're going to turn into Florida State and uh, abandon justice, abandon the principles that we know in underlying football and find a way to screw over. Oh yeah, the, the, uh, Step number one, easy. Jacksonville is Florida State. We don't know the health of Trevor Lawrence, therefore, boop, Jacksonville's not even part of this conversation. Oh, Without Trevor go. Lawrence, Jacksonville is not a threat. So, boom, if I'm walking into the committee, I'm going full Florida State on this and saying, Jacksonville, see yourself out the door. When we know the health of your quarterback, we may or may not consider you being allowed back into this conversation. For now, Jacksonville, out. Wow. I, okay. That's very and interesting. And in the state of Florida, too. Yeah. Fitz, real quick before we get to this, Jason, we didn't have you on. In the final four, in your final four in college, would Florida State have been in it? No. Uh, because 
the, the way the whole thing was set up, and Mike and I have talked about this for years on our different shows, there are five power conferences and there are only four playoff spots. So from the outset, they created what they hoped would be chaos. There was always a possibility there would be five undefeated and one would be left out. So knowing that it's not as simple as, hey, I'm going to be an undefeated conference champion, uh, at some point you got to look at it and say, okay, if I had to bet my house, if I had to bet all of our houses together on Florida State versus Alabama right now on a neutral field, I'm taking Alabama. So all things... How it's supposed to what You just said, yeah, there was a chance for five undefeateds and one there getting left. We had two one-loss teams two. make it in there. We had two one-loss teams of the power better. conferences make it in there. Okay, so then where was Liberty? I, oh my God, if we're just going to go undefeated, oh, then let's stop put it Liberty with Liberty. In the stop it. Stop it. Just what? stop in, it with that. In Conference I mean, US, the whole point is supposed to be there were five power, like, and this was my yeah. biggest takeaway. There were supposed to be five power conferences that we thought of somewhat equally. We know that is not the case, but we had not seen that reflected in this way on the field. We've seen it in dollars and cents, we've seen it in conference realignment, but this is a clear indicator that the committee looks at the ACC and says, no, we don't view you guys on that same plane right now because you had an undefeated Power 5 champion. I get the quarterback thing, but that still does not seem like enough in a world where we are rewarding accomplishment in a way that has been the way the committee has done it for nine years before now. But you are the very one that has for years told me, hey, scheduling is so different from all of these schools that it's impossible to sit there and view all of it the same because schedules are – it's not – look, it's not Florida State's fault that Clemson was trash this year, and it's not Florida State's fault that, uh, you know, LSU wasn't good enough through the end of it. None of that's their fault. But it doesn't change the situation that you are tasked with deciding who the four best teams are. And I say all the time, four best of the most deserving. We decided long ago zero and one aren't that different in the loss column. So, uh, Frank, I mean, I'll ask both of you which football team is better alabama or florida state well but that's not how we're supposed to just do this or else we'd call the fight before the season starts dad yeah listen i absolutely agree florida state deserved and i know everybody hates the word deserve and i hate the liberty anybody who's using the liberty argument is a guy that still lives in his parents basement i mean that's a ridiculous argument to make when you're talking about when you're talking about power (laughs) five schedules Power Five Conference, and oh, by the way, your conference went six and four against the SEC Conference, so you can miss me a little bit this year with how dominant the SEC is over everything else when the ACC had a better record against uh, uh, the SEC. I I get what you're saying, and we all know what the odds makers would do, that Florida State would be underdogged in all those games, but I'm sorry, I just can't get past the fact that not only did they win all their games, but I look at it the opposite way of what they couldn't do without their quarterback, but what they did with their backup, and then what they did with their third-string quarterback, were still able to beat ranked teams by the committee in Louisville, ranked teams that they beat, and they got screwed out of the top four. And again, lose me with the, we're just setting up for a blowout in the semis. Go look back at every semifinal game for the last nine years, and there was only one year, and that was last year, where they were both one-score games. There were blowouts every year, sometimes in both games. So lose me with that argument as well, Jason. Uh, Again, you're right, and and being predictive is, uh, is, is a dangerous, slippery slope. The hard part about all of this is that I feel everything you just said to my core but I still think Bama's better, right? And that that's just nothing changed. And if they were going to put Bama in, they had to put Texas in because of the head-to-head win. So, yeah. And Texas, frankly, deserves to be in. Did Texas they? Is a, I mean, at uh, this yes. rate, did they? Yes, yes. Because head-to-head what, nothing, has to matter. Nothing matters. The committee knows better. They've got all this advanced knowledge, and they can prognosticate better. And so if they had looked up after this and said, oh, by the way, you know what? We're going to rank Bama ahead of Texas because nothing's real, and all of this is going to collapse, and the sun's going to explode and swallow us all, and we're going to 12 teams next year anyway. Uh, yeah, but here's the thing. The committee next year is still going to decide who gets those buys, so I don't think like the drama's going. Like, the other side of this, gentlemen, is that this is a great situation for college football because otherwise we'd be sitting here saying, oh, God, we're expanding next year when there's only two teams that are worth it. Oh. This is the one year that sets up perfectly for, oh, man, we need ex- – people will be excited for expansion now next year. All the wins, uh, I, all the good uh, listen, things. I agree because you are talking about buys with the top four conference champs, and then – 
anywhere from 8 to 16, you're still going to have the arguments on who should be up to 12. So I do agree it would. But what, what would happen is you would kind of lose the meaning of that Oregon-Washington game at the end because they would both be in. Michigan-Ohio State because they would probably both be in. But that's for next year to decide. Uh, I feel bad. I, I would have had Florida State in. And based off of all of that, and I'm, I'm a, definitely a head-to-head guy, number one this week for me is, even though they don't have the best record in football, San Francisco. San Francisco's best team in the NFL, yeah. and oh. they're easily the number one seed, right? No argument there, right? No, not for me. I mean, I think you look at this across the board. It's also the quality wins. Like, to go to the, the, the metric that they use, who are your big wins? Not only does San Francisco have big wins, they have big blowout wins against other teams that this committee I know respects. So, yeah, San Francisco being at number one is the easiest thing this committee's had to do so far. So how far Philly falls becomes the real question now. Like, I feel like we were all sitting around and we were respecting what Philadelphia had done. We were knowing it didn't look quite the same the way it did last year. And now we've seen the injuries on defense have caught up to them. Some of the injuries on offense, especially Dallas Goddard, have had a big effect on them right now. And so how far – San Francisco is the clear number one for all of us. Quite honestly, putting a space between San Francisco and the field would feel appropriate at this point. But we have to pick a number two team. We had Kansas City there last week, and uh, that didn't work out so great for us uh, involved in here. They lose to the Green Bay Packers – and so, does it become now number two Baltimore? Is that how quickly they vault up to the top here? Not yeah, for, I mean, me. for me. Yeah, for you, it's Baltimore. For me, how we're playing right now, it's Dallas. Dallas, to me, is the number two team. I think they're playing great right now. And isn't that what we're voting on is, is right now? I, I think they're, you know, as, even as a former Eagle, it can be hard for me to say uh, as we get ready for this matchup. But Dallas is playing great ball right now. So, I, I, to me, it would be between, I agree with you, Jason, Baltimore as well. It would be between Dallas and Baltimore, but I, I would go Dallas. I, I, so, I could be talked into either so, one of these because they're both so good. Go ahead, Mike. Well, no, I was going to say, and this is where the committee is not supposed <laughs> deep down in the recesses of their brains, there's a thought of Alabama's not going to embarrass us at the party. Quite frankly, Alabama might make us look very smart because they're very capable of winning a national championship. I think Dallas is going to beat the Eagles this weekend. And usually when we've moved a team up in these rankings, they promptly go out and embarrass us the following week, see our top two teams losing this past weekend. And so Dallas, if we're looking ahead and prognosticating, does feel like they're on the up and up right now. I will say this Baltimore Ravens team still feels like one that we trust, still is the team that has the better defense of these two squads and an offense that is one of the best rushing attacks in the NFL right now. So I wouldn't feel bad picking them. I would pick them to beat the Rams this weekend too. So I, I feel good about that. But, Dad, I understand. How, do you feel that strongly that they are clearly better than the, uh, than the um, uh, Baltimore Ravens? Uh, at this point, the way they're playing now, I do. I mean, that offense is just – flying so high right now with the amount of points they're putting on the board since their loss to Philadelphia. Uh, it, it has been amazing. So, yes, I think they're just flying at, at such a big level right now. I would feel comfortable putting them in at two. I think also go, you make a really good point about the loss, and it should be noted here. They both have three losses, but who are those losses to, right? If we're going to be the committee here, we're going to look and say who they lose to. Now, yes, one of them was a blowout, but if you're the Eagles yep. at this point, you have a loss at this point to San Francisco, and or if you're Dallas, sorry, you have a loss to San Francisco and you have a loss to Philly. Those are two good losses. So two of the three losses, I look at it and say, okay, if you're Baltimore, your losses have come to, to bad teams. So, you know, I, I think that now you've, I'm talking myself into it. Yeah, let's put Dallas in two. Dallas comes in two. Let's go. <laughs> I mean, in, in defense of the Baltimore Ravens, when we say their losses have come to bad teams right now, their losses have come to three playoff teams. As currently situated, the Cleveland Browns, yeah. the Pittsburgh right. Steelers, and the Indianapolis Colts yeah. are 5-6-7 yeah. and seven in the expanded AFC playoff picture right now. They all have a winning record sitting at 7-5, and five, and so they are bad in that we can't reconcile some of their success. The I, Colts, I think, are a little bit easier to see the success of their strong defensive front four. They had a backup quarterback who was a known commodity coming into the season. We'll see if the Mitch Trubisky-led Steelers can counteract any of or keep going 
what we think the post-Matt Canada Steelers were capable of. The Browns have Joe Flacco there, so we're all a little worried about what that might look like teetering on the edge. But I will give the Baltimore Ravens that is their losses are to three playoff teams. They might not be as good as San Francisco and Philadelphia in terms of the losses. So do we want to go with Dallas at number two behind the 49ers? Are we comfortable with that, knowing what's happened to Dallas in the past in big games? I am. Yeah. I mean, hey, we're not supposed to predict what happens in the future. Oh, I'm just stirring the pot here. We're not supposed to be predictive. We're supposed to just <laughs> look at what's happened so far. So if you look at and Mike, I hear you on that. But also, that's part of the reason I think the committee is supposed to judge where a team is now, not where a team was when they played. Right. So I, I think by the end of the year, the three teams you just mentioned will not be in the playoff picture. So, uh, yeah, I, I think. Cowboys by nature, although they did get blown out, that's a little uncomfortable for me. Yeah. Uh, I, I think Cowboys go in at number two, which means the Ravens go in at number three for me. I, I, I would agree with that. And then the amazing thing is if we go top four, that means Kansas City or Philadelphia is out of the top four. And Philadelphia still has the best record in football. And by virtue of head-to-head, I would put Philly at number four. The gauntlet Philly went through and won. They beat the Cowboys, they beat the Chiefs, and they beat the Bills back to back to back before they got blown out um, by by uh, San Francisco. So we keep talking about you know where they're falling short now, Philadelphia, especially defensively. But those are three monster wins for them before they got just spanked by San Francisco. But they did beat the Chiefs head-to-head 21-17. So I would give them the nod at four and put Kansas City on the outside looking in, which I think a lot of people may be shocked at that. I don't know. I, I I don't know at this point because I would agree. Like I would probably vote Baltimore for the two slot, but this is a democracy. Dallas is going to be two. Baltimore is going to be three, and those feel like a coin flip right now. And then I'm with you. I think Philadelphia is at four, which, by the way, before the season, if you would have told us three NFC teams were going to be yeah. holding these positions yeah. in our thought process shows you how far some of the injury has taken the AFC down there. But I think Kansas City is a correct choice for five just because what we thought really the offense all year has struggled the defense quite frankly is not what they were at the start of the season either the bite starting to come out of that especially in terms of what they're able to do against opposing rushing attacks and so I do think that's kind of where the Chiefs are realistically right now if we take away some of the Patrick Mahomes dominance that's lodged in our heads Jason. Uh, Okay so I hear all of that but currently the number one seed in the AFC by tiebreaker in the standings is the Dolphins. And I, I know everybody's going to say, well, the Dolphins yeah. haven't beaten anybody. I, I get that, but uh, okay, so Florida State. Like, I get that they haven't yeah. beaten anybody. <laughs> but here they stand. Like, right now, neutral field, Miami versus the Chiefs, I think that'd be an interesting matchup. So, I like, I, uh, this is tough for me because I can't, I can't ever try and leave Patrick Mahomes out of anything because I think I'm too scarred as a Raiders fan. Like, I just accept his greatness to a level of, of it feels icky to not put Kansas City into this conversation. But I do think maybe there's a little disrespect to Miami in this process also. Well, who are you putting it for? Are you not putting Philly at four? You would, you would go with an AFC team here? No, I'll go with Philly at four. I'll, I'll go with Philly at four, like a falling four, a four that I don't feel massively comfortable with. I just think if we're going to talk about first one out – I think Miami deserves to be in that yeah. conversation with the Chiefs. Like Miami at I, five, the Chiefs at six wouldn't. I, I that that could that could be fair. I I could see that as well. What's interesting because you mentioned the NFC teams, Mike, that are that are in in our top four. They're actually the ones holding serve because before the season started, we talked about how deep we thought the AFC was, and we said the NFC is basically San Francisco, Philadelphia, Dallas, and that's held true, right? Detroit's been a nice held at the top. The AFC has been kind of a mess at the top, right? I mean, we, we had five, six teams we thought could be right up there. And right now we have one in our collective top four and then two more on, as the first two teams out. But still, the NFC has kind of lived up to what our ranking was with them before the season. Yeah, they're the known commodities there, right? You've got the Philadelphia Eagles and the 49ers who look like they're once again on a collision course, although the Dallas Cowboys, who were a preseason Mm -hmm. pick for a lot of people because of this place, this roster, 
finally feel like, despite having lost to both of those teams, finally feel like they're in a place where we can go maybe, hmm, when they reach their matchup against the 49ers again in the postseason if it gets that far for them. So I think we have uh, aptly settled on a top four for this week that is sure to remain in shambles coming off this. So we've got San Francisco at one, Dallas outvoting and winning at number two going into their matchup against Philly this weekend. Baltimore at the three spot there, and then the Philadelphia Eagles falling from one to four with Kansas City and Miami just on the outside looking in. Worth noting right now, DBOA's rankings over at FTN uh, after week 13 had San Francisco at one, Baltimore at two, Kansas City at number three, and then those Hmm. Miami Dolphins we talked about at number four, followed by five Dallas, and any guess who's at number six in DVOA right now, their efficiency metric over at the Fantasy Network. The Buffalo uh, Bills. Mean, if that tells you wow. what a weird, chaotic, disappointing season that's been, statistically, they have still been a monster. They just had a few too many poorly timed turnovers and a rough stretch. So, uh, also just to just to remind to everybody, we left the Lions out of this conversation completely, which is probably disrespectful to Detroit. I don't feel good about that. And I, I think their defense at this point, everyone's kind of real. I wonder if it's time to reset expectations a little bit for the Lions based on what their defense hasn't turned into. But that's going to be a story for another day. The story instead for today is Fitz's gigantic toddler-themed uh, shirt. Uh, check Jason out doing great work over at Yahoo okay. Sports. Dressed like your favorite cash register attendant at Hot Topic. Also <laughs> listen to him and Fox Sports Radio on the weekends. Jason, thank you so much. We appreciate the time, sir. Bye. Growing up playing sports, I learned really quickly that how you do the little things is how you're going to do everything. That's why coaches always harped on us about having our hand behind the line on sprints or picking up our locker because that was going to directly translate to critical moments on the field, making sure we're lined up right, taking the right steps so we can go out there and execute and win ball games. Small actions can have big benefits, just like how taking care of your gut can support your entire body's health. That's where our friends at Seed come into play. Seed's DSO-1 Daily Symbiotic is going to benefit your gut, skin, and heart health in just two little capsules a day. I just got my welcome kit and started taking Seed's DSO-1 myself and I'm loving it. I love the convenience of being able to have it in the cabinet with my other supplements because you don't need to worry about refrigerating it and I love the free travel vial that comes along with it. I'm constantly on the road and so being able to take DSO-1 with me on the go is huge for my lifestyle here. I'll tell you what else I love is the fact that it's backed by science. DSO-1 was developed in collaboration with Seed Scientific Board and based on their foundational work in probiotics and the microbiome and with new clinical trials and breakthrough research published in top scientific journals, Seed's probiotic research development and innovation programs make DSO-1 a product you can trust and it's great in convenience too. Probiotics and prebiotics work best when they're used consistently just like any other routine health habit. And Seed's subscription service is going to easily help build DSO-1 into your routine, again with no refrigeration required. So, trust your gut with Seed's DSO-1 Daily Symbiotic. Go to Seed.com slash Gojo and use code 25GOJO to get 25% off your first month. That's 25% off your first month of Seed's DSO-1 DSO-1 Daily Symbiotic at seed.com slash gojo, code 25GOJO. Welcome back to Gojo and Golik. It's Thursday, and you know what that means. Kick off your NFL weekend with Thursday Night Football on Prime. It is on, baby. Is it? We've got Steelers and Patriots, both teams Coming into this contest, real banged up. Steelers rolling with Mitch Trubisky at QB after Kenny Pickett suffered an injury. On the other side, we will likely see Bailey Zappi in place of Mac Jones. So, fellas, these teams already had two of the worst offenses in the NFL, and now here we are. Ugh. Yeah, Dad, the uh, short-lived Steelers offensive renaissance from a couple weeks ago feels like a distant memory. They popped over 400 yards for the first time since the W. Bush administration and then promptly turned back into a pumpkin against the vaunted Arizona Cardinals defense uh, with 317 total yards last week. Obviously, the Kenny Pickett injury does factor into that some, but even prior to that, Dad, it was still not an offense that had looked overly comfortable. Jalen Warren had just 60 yards. uh, Was uh, Jalen Warren and Najee Harris, excuse me, didn't look nearly as explosive for one of the best rushing attacks in football. So I I don't know what to think of this one because – 
on one side you have a Steelers offense that has struggled mightily and on the other side you've got a Patriots offense that all they've done is hold opposing teams to hell here's Thursday night football it, it, it is it is I mean you know what's going on in the field and the locker room and the defense is playing well enough to win and the offense you know can't do anything of how frustrating that's got to get but they know where their lot this season is it's it's going nowhere so this is when players start to make sure they're taking care of themselves and making sure they end the season well every player on a team Mike and you know this is in a different position some are going to be back and their locks on the team others teetering on that and others are playing for jobs so this is that situation where and you might be playing for a new head coach if Robert Kraft and Bill Belichick decide they decide to part ways so it takes on a different situation and the biggest thing because I've been in this situation in the NFL when you're not in it is you know what starts to suffer you don't try less on game day but when you used to show up at 7 30 on Wednesday and Thursday to get a lift in you know and do all those things watch extra film after practice all of a sudden you may stop doing those a little bit you may not be lifting as much you may not be eating as well you may say oh I'll catch film later or I'll watch it at home again I know guys sometimes we'll watch it together in meeting room but they have the iPads to watch it on you don't do as much to prepare when you know basically your season is over that's where players can get into the trouble is the preparation they're always going to try hard on game day and for Pittsburgh for as bad as they look Mike they're sitting there in the five slot they're the first seed wild card right now so this is a a must win for them you know you look at their after this they play the Colts who are in the playoffs as we speak the Bengals uh, without Joe Burrow, then the Seahawks who are fighting in the NFC, and then finish with the Ravens. And they can only hope that the Ravens have something locked up by then and maybe sit some of their guys if, 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 in case Pittsburgh needs that game to get into the playoffs. We'll have to wait and see. Uh, but we'll see about Najee Harris. He's questionable, didn't practice all week. Is he going to play? Mitch is obviously running the team uh, this week with the ankle injury to, uh, to Kenny Pickett. It's just, it's just not a very good team, but as we always say, just try and get to the dance. You never know what can happen, and Mike Tomlin coaches you, so that means you're going to be over 500 and usually look maybe sometimes better than you really are, like they are right now record-wise. So this, this, this is one you can't let go. I mean, this is one you have to get this win. I mean, the Steelers are going to beat the Patriots, but it feels like the final score of this game could realistically be 8-6. Like, I would not be surprised if it was some awful, like, cursed number like that that Al Michaels has to grit his teeth and bear through on a Thursday night game where everyone's walking in banged up. And even the Steelers in the best version of this, like the offense that we celebrated as this breakthrough moment scored 16 points against the Bengals. Like, their last three games offensively have been 10 points, 16 points, 13 points. Like, for any of the offensive revival between the 20s, they're still having a difficult time pushing the ball in the end zone. And spoiler alert, that's not going to get any easier coming up here against this Patriots team, who especially as a rush defense, has been one of the best in pro football during this latter stretch of the season and is going up against the Steelers team where that's their overwhelming strength. And I'd imagine with Mitch Trubisky, even in a banged-up Najee Harris, still got Jalen Warren back there who's looked every bit of Najee's equal through the majority of this season is going to be their answer to a lot of those problems it's just the other side dad i can't find any place where i think the patriots can have success offensively i just refuse to believe it at this point no matter who they've cycled through at quarterback there it's looked like a complete tire fire and i don't see how on a short week that's going to change against tj watt in the pass rush for the pittsburgh steelers I mean, a lot of, lot of firsts for New England. First time since 93 that they failed to score in the first half in back-to-back games. You mentioned the fact that they lost three straight games where they allowed 10 points or fewer. No team has done that since 1938, the Chicago Cardinals. I mean, it, it's, been, it's been historically bad for a team that's been so historically good uh, to now go just flip the coin and go to the other side. The New England Patriot fans probably find, and, and, they're, and they're, this is not normal for them, are they like the Jets fans have been forever, just hoping their team loses to get a better draft pick? It's a position they have no idea how to deal with because they've never had to really deal with this. So I wonder how Patriot fans 
are dealing with it. Jet fans are used to it. Patriot fans are not. So this has got to be difficult for them knowing there's not going to be another uh, a parade this year for them. Well, I think for them it's it's less because they've been used to post Tom Brady seasons ending with kind of a wet fart. Like this has not been that's been their world since Tom Brady left. They've not been championship contenders. They've not been realistically considered for any of that. It hasn't gone this badly. But the point now, I think, for New England fans is just expecting wholesale change next year, right? Yeah. Very few yeah. people expect Bill Belichick to be back as the coach of this team. Nobody expects Mac Jones to be the quarterback of this team going no. forward. And so you're going to, for the first time in most of the adult lifetimes of Patriots fans, likely be dealing with a new head coach in Foxborough to go along with whatever the world turns as far as your quarterback situation post-Tom Brady. Yeah, you had Tom Brady for so long. And, and that's another thing you look at now. The, pay, the Steelers may be in the playoffs. They also have their quarterback of the future in Kenny Pickett, at least at this point that's what they feel they're going to be. And, and the Patriots had to move on from Tom Brady and go to Mac Jones and think he is going to be that guy. But they have to restart their clock, right? Maybe with a new coach. We'll see. But it's going to be with a new quarterback. So that's always an interesting part to every team that has to start the clock over with their quarterback and how they go about it. That's the time you can build around because a rookie quarterback numbers, as opposed to if that quarterback hits and what you have to pay him, you have time to build around. So it, now the clock really starts over again, just like it did when Brady left and you got a, a young quarterback in. I believe I saw a stat today that in terms of winning for unders, the Pittsburgh Steelers have been the best team in football this year in terms of betting. So that seems about the only thing you've got to look forward to tonight. You've got a Steelers team with a backup quarterback that's made its living on the ground going up against, according to EPA per play, expected points average per play, the number one rush defense in the NFL. And on the other side, no Ramondre Stevenson for the Patriots. Bailey Zappi got sacked five times last week against a Chargers defense. That is yeah. bad and is going up against the Steelers' defense that is not world beaters but does have two guys on the edge that can get after the quarterback pretty well and got blanked. You know, after getting blanked by the Chargers and saying that out loud at home, I struggle to see a world where they score points, Dad. The Steelers are going to win this game, but none of us are going to have a great time with it. No, and the Steelers right now, like we said, look like they can make the playoffs. Uh, and if they do, I don't think a lot of people feel that, you know, what they do in the playoffs could be very good, quite honestly. Um, the, the Patriots, and they play the Colts, the Bengals, the Seahawks, and as we mentioned, we finish up with the Ravens. So I, I, I don't know, man. I mean, I, I don't know what you do with this game, even if the Steelers win. This would easily be one of those games if they lost it and missed the playoffs to look back at this game. But, but I don't think many would shake their head too bad because I think even they realize the Steelers, while a playoff team on paper, maybe aren't really a playoff team. Pittsburgh versus New England on Thursday night. It's football, so watch it. The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. With same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more, don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down. And if you're new to DraftKings, you got to check this out. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get 150 in bonus bets instantly. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code GOJO. That's code GOJO for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just 5 bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. That's 467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Welcome back to Gojo and Golik, and uh, we are very excited around here for a lot of reasons. You know, we got a lot of great stuff going on in the sports world, but we got a lot of great news going on here around at the DraftKings Network. Announced yesterday that starting on January 1st on DKN, you guys are going to be able to check out the All the Smoke podcast coming to DraftKings Network, Meadowlark Media. 
Steven Jackson and Matt Barnes, one of the best podcasts out there. And to join us in celebrating that occasion, Steven Jackson's with us here now. And we just had a beautiful moment when he joined the chat <laughs> off air. As my father, always trying to be polite and a great host, goes up and he's like, hey, Steven, Mike Golick Sr., Mike Golick Jr. here. We're excited to have you here. Introducing him after all these years, Steven, you had to be a little bit stunned by that. Yeah, way, way to welcome me on with an insult, okay? That's, that, that's a great, great way to bring me on. <laughs> of course I know you and your son. I'm honored to be on your show. Um, there's, there's no way that I could be in this sports world and not know you and have respect for you guys. So thanks for having me, man. I'm honored. Well, I appreciate that very much. And, and I'm looking forward to this podcast. And I'm wondering, with so many former and current athletes that are doing podcasts, I started to think about the four major sports, and I kind of pushed baseball and hockey to the side as far as players and former players. In our sport of football, Stephen, the fir- we always said the further away from the ball, the more the smack talk, DBs, wide receivers, really. Basketball mm-hmm. seems to me where you get the best talking athletes out there to one another, which in turn could lead to the best podcasts out there. Do you feel that basketball players are the best smack talkers out there? Uh, I wouldn't say that because 90% of them talking just because the camera's on them. <laughs> They're not talking because they really want to fight or they really mean what they say, right? They're just doing that for TV. So um, you ha- I think I would say this. You have guys in, in every sport. You have guys that's good at tra- uh, trash talk. And you got guys. I don't know if he was willing to back it up on the court. Off the court, he probably would. But it was basically on the court. Guys like me and I'll say Draymond Green. We'll say the same thing off the court that we'll say on the court and mean the same thing. So um, you got a lot of guys that do it for for attention but as far as podcasts i think the reason why i can speak for us that we have success because one we're both nba champions but uh, two everything that we've been through in our life good and bad it's been all over social media so we wear emotions on our sleeves and everything that we talk about from we talk about from experience we don't talk about what we assume or what we think we talk about what we actually been through and i think that's what works for us you know, a lot of people don't have the experience that we have in our sport and in life. And we've been through everything that possibly an athlete could go through, especially an athlete that come from where we come from. So a lot of people relate. And I think for me, not, not to have a long answer, but I'm somebody that have a relationship with somebody from every race. And I stand on something that says love for all who have love for all. So my fan base is everybody because I have a relationship and I told somebody from every race that I love them. And I mean it. So the, the 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 people that support us are people that you can say we start our own rainbow rainbow coalition. That's what it looks like. <laughs> there we go. The all the smoke rainbow coalition. I can sign up for that one in a heartbeat. That is what of you course. guys can all sign up for. Again, <laughs> starting on DKN January first. But a, a lot of people have been fans of you guys for a while. It's one of the best podcasts out there. A ton of great interviews, some awesome perspectives, and coming into a time right now where, uh, Stephen, man, you guys got plenty to talk about between the players that you get to talk, but also what's going on in the NBA right now. We've been talking a bunch on this show about the in-season tournament deal that they've had going on here. What were you? What were your thoughts on this before we saw it happen, and now that we're getting towards the semifinals in Vegas, ha- has this worked? Has the league done a good job with this? You know, I'm a real one. When it first came out, I hated it. I didn't want to. I didn't understand why could you have a season in the middle of a season? Guys don't already play hard. They don't care. They uh, rest in half the season. Why would you put up more stress on these guys in the season? Because half of them don't want to play 82 games anyway. Well, I take that back. This has been very entertaining, and the games in the in the in season tournament have been more competitive than the regular games. So this was this was a great idea, and they may need to play the whole season like that. Because even you see guys like uh, Kawhi Leonard. He's played the most games. He's played this uh, this part of the season, uh, this uh, this this uh, so far in the last few years. He hasn't played this uh, this many games at the beginning of the season. He's, he's been uh, taking a lot of rest and playing every two games. So now he's playing almost every game because it's in season tournament and these guys and the guys matter. And then you give these chance guys a chance to win some money. You know, all these guys can't, uh, contract contracts are not guaranteed. So that five hundred thousand that these guys can make, it can help some of those guys. So I get it now. The incentive of money. Uh, the sense to make guys play harder. I like it now, but at the beginning, Mike, I hated it. 
Stephen, we were the same way. Both of us were the same way. We were like, why the hell are they doing this? Players didn't even know when the games were unless they saw a funky court out there. Then I thought, okay, this is one of those games that we got to play. And it seems like they're all into it now. One of the things you mentioned is guys don't want to play 82 games anyway. What are your thoughts on the league coming out with their load management discipline uh, to try and get players to play more? Do you think that's going to work? Yeah, I love it because, you know, from, I, I, I just go off of myself and I, I, I think guys kind of disrespect the game so much when they don't give 110% effort to play with all the money we make. And I was one of those guys. I played three years with a broken toe. You know, I, I I tried out for 18 NBA teams with uh, stress fractures in both my feet and ended up breaking them both. So the game meant a lot to me. I wanted to play. I knew what the game could do for my family. I knew what the game could do for me and the opportunity to be in the NBA. So when guys are, are physically healthy to play and they got a little nick and they don't want to play because they had a previous injury, I didn't, I didn't respect that and I never will. We tried our best to play 82 games. We didn't get a reward for it, but that was that was a goal for us to play 82 games. So um, I love the fact that they put their rule in because it's forcing guys to be accountable. It's forcing guys to appreciate the game the way they should. And when you appreciate the game and play the game with that certain passion, it rewards you. And uh, I, I think guys need to get back to that attitude. With, with the things that you value like that, gutting it out, playing through injury, toughness, trying to effort toward that goal, and you mentioned backing up what you're going to say on and off the court. When you look at the game now, is there a young guy, someone coming up here, one of the young studs in the league, that you look at and say, that's a guy that I would have gotten down with. That's a guy I would have liked to have as a teammate who plays the game and embodies the things that I value the most. Um, if it was one guy that uh, Russell Westbrook, He's my type of guy. Mm. 110% good or bad night. Uh, not feeling well. I'm going to show up and play regardless. I'm going to give my team my all. Um, the media can say what they want about me, but I know who I am as a person. I'm going to continue to be a professional. You bring me off the bench. You say this about me. I'm leading the NBA all time in, in, in triple doubles, but you still talk about me like I'm a scrub. But I still come out and do my job. I don't demean anyone. I love Russell Westbrook because it's about playing the game. It's about appreciating your teammates and appreciating the organization that's giving you an opportunity. He does all those things. He really does. And now on this Clippers team, a real opportunity with the guys that they've put together there to make something happen. That's going to be exciting to watch. It's going to be even more exciting to watch you, Matt Barnes, and all the smoke hitting DKN January 1st. Steven, congrats on this. Congrats on all the success, man. It's been awesome watching you guys do your thing over there for some time now. And we're glad to have you guys over here under the DKN umbrella with us. Man, we're honored to be there. Can't wait to see you guys in person. And thanks for having me, man. You have a blessed day. Thanks, Steve. Appreciate it, man. You too, man. Absolutely. We'll talk to you again real soon here. And, uh, Dad, no, you're uh, absolutely right. We have seen so many of like the long-form interview podcasts, too. Some of the NBA podcasts have done such a phenomenal job of yep. that between these inside looks at the lives of the players that we see each and every day. I think they I, – I, I still say I think basketball players do the best job of taking you inside the sport and giving you even more of that outside the sport. I think they do. Listen, we have some great guys in football doing it as well. Obviously, the Kelsey brothers are unbelievably popular uh, right now, but there are others out there as well. But I just think basketball players, man, they're just, they just are not afraid to say anything and lay it all out there and give you the raw experience and take you it to the inside and give you the true experience. I, I dig it. I'm looking forward to this. No, going to be a great addition. So, again, you guys can all check that out. And between that, Amino Hassan's over here. We got a good crew reassembling from the old ESPN, day, ESPN days uh, on the NBA front. All right, time to finish off the show the way that we always do this, that, and the third. Three quick stories to send you off on your way. Make sure you download, subscribe, rate, review us. Leave us that five-star rating and check us out live here Monday through Friday on DraftKings Network, 8 to 10 a.m. Eastern. You can catch us at DraftKingsNetwork.com, Samsung TV Plus, Roku, right here on the DraftKings YouTube channel. And if you can't get with us live and you miss any of the show, you can go back and listen to it, like our great guests, 
that we've had. Brevin Jordan, tight end for the Houston Texans. Jason Fitz, Yahoo Sports football uh, and all-around content creator, as well as Fox Sports Radio. And Steven Jackson, one of the co-hosts of All the Smoke, him and Matt Barnes, that again will be starting on DraftKings Network here officially in the new year. Check out that wherever you get your podcast or right here on YouTube as soon as we get done with the live show. And guys, let's get to this and our first story here. A former Jacksonville Jaguars employee <laughs> has been allegedly accused of stealing over $22 million from the team over the last five years by exploiting the organization's virtual credit card program, according to a report originally from The Athletic. And Dad, I think the most surprising thing here in the joke made around the world yesterday was as the Jags were talking about an employee stealing money from them, no, it was not Urban Meyer. Oh, wow. Oh, he had already done that. Yeah, he had, he had already yeah. done that, but, uh, but, but didn't get in trouble with the law for it. Uh, it was just, a different kind of stealing. It wasn't stealing in the truest sense of what this guy was doing. 22 mil of which, so I have a question for you guys. And Jesse, I'll start with you. Uh, some of the things he bought, two cars, a condominium, and a designer watch Hell yeah. worth over $95,000 and, really, and bought cryptocurrency and did bets online. If you stole $22 million, Jesse, and you were trying to not be too flashy with it to show that, but still wanted it, what, what would you be buying? What would you be spending that on outside of caviar? Wait, sorry, not be too flashy with it? Yeah. Uh, well, no, I mean, he was. He was. I'm just saying in all the movies I watch, you're not supposed to be too flashy with it. I'll tell you what I would buy. I would buy property in a country that does not have an extradition treaty with the United States so that when it eventually caught up to me, I could go to my sick abode somewhere in the world and they could not extradite me back to the United States to face my crimes. Are you speaking from experience? You, no, oh, I'm you just, came out with that answer yeah, pretty Jesse. quick. I'm just, if you're going to commit crime, you better have a plan. Wow. You know? She's thought about this, Mike. I Yeah, it, this sounds like pre-crime. I'm no snitch. And by the way, let's talk <laughs> off air, you know, on, on the off chance that you are currently involved in some scheme, because this sounds vaguely like office space in what they were looking to do, stealing fractions of a penny from all the bonds to this, went full coming to America, walking around in the streets, flossing on everybody here with the stuff that he was buying. And respect on that, the fact that it took them five years to put together a case, probably the thing I would be more concerned about as a Jags fan, that this guy apparently swiped $22 million and you didn't really be, you weren't able to put it together for five years. Yeah, that's pretty concerning. I and mean, I guess the point is too, are you doing hard jail time for this in a hard jail? No, you're going to Club Fed. Yeah, uh, exactly. So, you, you know, you, you, if you're going to do something illegal, you got to think of what's on the other side of it if I get caught. And, you know, maybe you think, ah, it's not going to hurt too bad. But you don't you get know, to keep get anything. It's not like he gets to keep the $22 million or he could, they're going to let him keep the condos. Like, he's got to give right. it back. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That does suck. I'm not going to lie. I would have done exactly what he did almost to a T on this one. I would like to think I'd be smart enough to pull off what Jesse described there. And again, we're going to talk after that so we can put together this plan. But in all reality, I probably would have eventually done this or just eaten myself to death. Either way, uh, congratulations <laughs> to the Jags on apparently stopping the bleeding in at least one area of their organization. Jesse, let's get to that and celebrate an actual good milestone from someone who's not stealing but instead scoring. Yeah, Kaylin Clark, she has become the first player in Division I history, women's or men's, with 3,000 points, 750 rebounds, 750 assists. My God, Caitlin Clark is her. Pretty insane, guys. I mean, so she has 3,013 points for her career now. She could pass Kelsey Plum as an all-time leading scorer in the NCAA yeah. era. So that's pretty, pretty insane milestone that Caitlin Clark has reached. Yeah, my quick math says yeah, no, Dad, 504, she, yeah, 5, okay. 514 points she needs. My quick math on that of what Plum has, 3,527 points as opposed to 3,013 for Clark. So she could get that. But what, what a career. I mean, what an absolutely incredible career she's had. Yeah, I, I, I mean, and that would – 
I think perfectly signify what she's meant to the sport in this era. She's been one of the best players that we've seen in a span of years where we've had some of the most notable high-profile women's basketball games, the incredible tournaments from the last couple of seasons, household names now in the sport that's only grown as we've gotten into the name, image, and likeness era. And she has kind of led the charge in all of this in a lot of ways just with her style of play, that Steph Curry ability to basically have the green light as soon as you cross half court has made her must-watch stuff, Dad, for the majority of the, her college career. And I'm sure it's going to continue that way as she marches towards even more history like we just laid out. And for those who want to win a dollar bet uh, at the bar, there are actually two other women who have scored more points than Plum and uh, Clark. They played in the pre-NCAA era. Pearl Moore from Francis Marion in 75 to 79. And at Kansas, Lynette Woodard from 77 to 81. They scored 38-84 and 36-49, uh, you know, each one of them. Uh, uh, Pearl Moore scored the most in that one. Uh, so that that's pretty impressive. Pre-NCA, I didn't realize that. So, so what, all of a sudden that doesn't count? I mean, it's like, I, you, I, I don't get all that. I mean, like sacks in the NFL, nothing. You don't count anything before 82. Like you well, can't count them. It's amazing. Sacks in the NFL is different to me because it's like, why were we not counting those things? I understand counting yeah. sometimes hard and that maybe people were just lazier back then. That seems like a your generation problem. You guys couldn't be bothered to just do wow. something simple like count stats there. It seems pretty entitled of you guys. I don't know how you've accomplished anything with that kind of attitude. It's a pretty wow. big indictment of you and an entire generation of people. So at least okay. we had the decency to now give you all sorts of litany of stats here, quite honestly. The greatest generation, millennials. <laughs> Well, I oh, wow. think they had said about sacks that you can only go back so far with the taping of games that some of them weren't always taped all the way through so you couldn't get an accurate count of people and the number of sacks they had if you were just talking about and counting them and watching old games back. Or at least maybe that was their excuse for our lazy generation. Yeah, I it sounds pretty convenient. No one at the game there could have been sitting there with you know the chisel or your notepad or whatever the hell the you guys chisel. used to write back then and just mark down when somebody got a sack. How hard is it to see? Oh man, look at the, the big guy just went and sacked. Deacon Jones or Reggie White or someone went out there and got a sack. Let me mark it down and give the big fella credit. Again, that's a you guys problem. That's not a me problem. We'll address that for the other day. And instead, Jesse, get to the third and focus on young people continuing to do great things that grossly outpaces my parents' generation. Brock Lesnar's wow. daughter has done just that. She broke the shot put record at Colorado State. And good Lord, look at this side by side. Talk yeah. about the genes are gening. I mean, good Lord. <laughs> that is uncanny. It runs in the family, as we can see here. Let me tell you what. You want to talk about someone who could win a lot of dollar bets arm wrestling at the bar right there, Dad, like you talked oh. about before? absolute problem my favorite is she finished at two first place finishes one in the shot put and the other in the weight throw with a mark of 21.11 meters weight throw best aptly event name ever like just simple hey we got weight here you guys are going to toss this weight here and she tossed that weight better than anybody else because her dad is a man with a sword tattooed on his chest going up to his throat Listen, everybody remembers Brock Lesnar from WWE or MMA. He was a, he was a national champ at Minnesota in wrestling. I mean, he was a great amateur wrestler. Um, so uh, he, he, junior college, he won there as well, uh, and then went up to Minnesota and was a, na a national champ. I think that's forgotten a lot. So amateur sports, he was he was fantastic. Went on to have that great professional career. But my gosh, his daughter, what a whew, yeah. let's see how far she can take this. Pretty impressive. Very impressive. I, I do wonder if, like, there is a career. Like, I don't know if she's ever been interested in joining the future family business and pro wrestling, but it seems like she has got the physical makeup to go and be the kind of athlete that puts on a show, and she's got the perfect teacher for that to pay, potentially send yep. it off. So once she's done with the weight throw, will she, if she's ready to go off the two, it's five-star rating. Thanks so much. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Morning. Morning. How you doing? Steven, how you doing? I'm wonderful. How y'all doing? Doing well. I doing am. Good, uh, man. I'm Mike Golick. No this complaints. is my son, Mike. We got the we got the father son duo working this morning here. Mike, you did not introduce yourself. Don't start that shit this morning. <laughs> Sorry, man. <laughs> <laughs> I was on, just gonna on, say. Mike.